Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show. And this is the first time in a while we've actually had a regular episode, because the last two we've done have both been Patreon picks, because we've had a very really late schedule, well we've had a really heavy schedule, which has resulted in a very late schedule of this particular show. But here we go, we're back. And we are going to be tackling Short Term 12, a film that came out in 2013, starring Brie Larson and a host of other faces that are very recognisable. Um, I think I'd forgotten how many people I was expecting to see in this that I knew from other things. Yeah, definitely. And then now there's, there's people in this that obviously I would have had no clue who they were at the time, that now it's like, oh yeah, I know, I know a lot of these people now. Yeah, Stephanie Beatrice from Brutal Nine Nine, Rami Malek from from Mr. Robot. Yeah, um, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, recognizing him now. Yeah, what was he? What's he been in? Uh, most recently, uh, he was the lead in Sorry to Bother You. Do you know what? I even recognize him. Yeah, uh, I saw him in the the Netflix Death Note film last year. I want to say. Yeah, well, I was in Get Out as well. Yeah, is in Get Out. Yeah, he's he's uh he's the he's the one that actually says get out. <laughs> Basically uh, to, to put, put it somewhere. Okay, yeah. Um yeah, he's so much younger looking here. because uh, he's he's just turning 18, which yeah. obviously is part of the the plot in the movie. But um Yeah, I mean I think it's it's kind of like his first big role, right? Yeah. Um yeah, I'm uh, obviously he's got he's got the the goatee now. Uh, when you yes. see him, so um well there you go look at that so yeah a lot of faces in this uh who would become more notable later on um yes uh maybe not quite household names i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure nerds like us know who all these people are i i, I don't think your average joe and nestle will know who most of them are they'll probably know brie larson well they'll, they'll know her, they will know her in march i don't think they'll know her yet <laughs> I don't know. She was like all over the place. Like when when we had like Kong Skull Island, she, she saw her all she's, over the TV a lot. She's on the tipping point. I feel I feel like Kong Skull Island. Like she's she is technically leading that, but that movie wasn't that much of a hit. And no, no, no. But you had you had Kong Skull Island, which was not that long after Room. And you know, yeah, but average Joes don't know about Room or care about Room. Well, well, no, no, no. I don't think a lot of them necessarily saw the movie, but I think a lot of them saw coverage around awards season. That that was it's on the the mainstream media. I think you are overestimating what an average Joe actually sees when it comes to the awards season. I disagree, based on experiences with average Joes at work. Okay, all right. I was. I'm imagining asking someone on the street who Brie Larson is, and I'm pretty sure I'll get blank stares from like uh, eight out of ten people. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, She's not Tom Rami, Hanks, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, Rami Malek has obviously just had his. In terms of the the public perception, has just had his breakout hit in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, small potatoes, as far as I'm concerned. Mr. Robot is who he is. <laughs> I I agree with you, but you know, people recognise him now. Mr. Robot, that's what he is. That's what he'll always be. I don't care what he does for the rest of his career. He's Mr. Robot. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, this is a prequel to Mr. Robot. Well, that's terrifying. <laughs> Before he went off the deep end and started, started hacking. That's what, he, that's what he's doing when he's going home at night after his job in this. He's, he's, he's practicing his hacking. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely what's happening. He, he uses an alias. Sure, he doesn't say his name's Elliot, but he's using an alias. Like, I'm, I'm you know... Obviously. When he says his name is Nate, I'm like, you're not Nate. You're saying you're Nate. 
Um, I don't believe you. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's same with uh, Beatrice. It's, it's, it's Rosa. Rosa, we know, uses aliases everywhere she goes. She's undercover for some reason, yeah. yeah. We also I mean, we know that Rosa's not even necessarily a real name. But that, that was one of the jokes on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This is just Rosa. Yeah. She's investigating troubled children because one of the kids might be a a, a serial killer. Obviously. Yes. Uh, so we'll we, start... we should probably say what the movie's about at this point. Well, yeah, well, we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do, and we'll warn you in the middle before we go into spoilers. I uh, have to get that out. That's more important than telling them the plot. <laughs> we have to get the... the... It is housekeeping done first. Um, I just assumed you did that a while ago. No, I was aware that I hadn't, which is which is why I'm the host and you're not. It's also because I'm I'm drinking and you fell asleep and we're an hour late, so I had like three extra drinks. Yes, uh, it wasn't short term twelve that knocked me out. It was what I tried to watch after short term twelve that yep. knocked me out. For the record, uh, so yeah, the movie is essentially a a halfway house. Uh, that's what short term twelve is. Hence, is I assume it's the twelfth district of short term places. Hence the title. Um, but the the whole idea is this is where kids go before they necessarily go to an orphanage. It's also where troubled kids kind of go when they've just been in the incidents that they've been part of and the idea is that it's supposed to just be maybe a year max at this place but as they point out in the film that sometimes that kind of drags on and some kids are there for three or four years um and it essentially acts as as an orphanage for some of the kids not necessarily by design just be kind of that's how it ends up working out Mm. um and we kind of follow the 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 group that run this place uh, brie larson being the main one and kind of them dealing her dealing with her own personal life but also dealing uh, her professional and personal life uh, uh, as she deals oh, with the kids I, I can see the the TV description yes the CBS TV description uh, which I'm sure is going to be much worse than this movie and that's not even mm. giving away how I feel about this movie I'm just no matter what it would be much worse than this movie it would yeah so, this movie would have to be really bad to be worse so so that's 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 the gist of it. That's the gist of it. It is, it is a personal character study drama of a film, and we deal with the 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 the, the I don't even know if councils is quite the right word, um. But they they look after the kids, and we deal with a couple of specific kids that have their 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 issues, um. And they try and help these kids. So that that's that's what the film is. So I will ask the question. We neither of us had seen this before. This was a first time watch. I picked this one. It had been on my radar for basically since 2013, and just for whatever reason, I never got around to it. And you were so, like, damn it, we're watching it. Yes, so, yes, crossing this off the list finally. So how did you feel about Short Term 12? Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, there you go. That was a short answer. Yeah. Well, See, well, 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 give, well, give a long enough answer for me to take a drink, damn it. Well, I did not realise you were planning on taking a drink. I thought you wanted to blurt in with your answer like usual. Look, that was a longer introduction than I'm, I'm used to doing, and I needed a drink to 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 reset myself. Yeah, yeah, it's very unprofessional of you. I mean, it's not, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty damn good. Is it, it, the point here? Even TV presenters have like glasses of water and shit. <laughs> they do, but they manage to get a drink in without making such a big deal about it. Yes, but their show is more scheduled in five second blocks, where they know all their breaks are coming up. We're winging this, Connor. We're winging this. We are. I, I count on you to to carry the torch when it needs to See, be carried. I get that, but sometimes it's funnier to watch you try and take a drink <clears throat> like five times. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna make a point about it now, aren't you? 
So how did you find it? <laughs> it was really good. Um, yeah. it, it was strong performances. It was strong direction, and that you know, and I, and a good strong script as well. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's very simple at its core. It's a, it's, a, it's the makeup of a very good drama, um, and that is what it is uh, through and through. It, yeah. ha- it has moments of levity, it has moments of humor where it kind of. You know, it has, uh, like, you know, when they're interacting with the kids and they're, they're trying to be nice, like her, her, her boyfriend, who also works there, uh, who's played by John Gallagher Jr., uh, plays a character named Mason, like, he, he tends to have some funny moments with some of the kids where he'll he'll lighten the tension in certain moments, because the, the movie deals with kind of in the, the never-ending battle that this kind of place is, and the never-ending battle that, that childhood trauma is, and... Mm-hmm kind of kind of that and it's very quickly into the film where you realize that real arson's character grace is probably suffered some of what some of these kids have went through and that's going to be kind of what the main the main point of the movie is is that not only is she being there for people when you know not that no one was there for her, her because we actually do eventually find out that she also kind of went to a foster home at some point and there was people there for her so she's kind of paying it yeah. forward in, in, in a sense but the idea that whatever she's dealing with, because um, there's a there's a point about fairly early on in the movie, twenty thirty minutes in, I, I don't know when I can get I'll get more specific in spoilers with the moment, but there was a moment in in the film where I basically realised that almost anything she was saying about a certain character, she was really talking about herself, yeah. and and that that's effective it's effective because you start to piece together who she is because the, the movie does a really good job in the script of kind of hinting at her backstory and kind of what she's been through as it, as it goes and what i liked about it is when it eventually reveals and she outright says something later on in the film it's not a surprise it's not a surprise but it's also not played like a big shock either it's, it's kind of played in a very of course this was what happened this, this was always what yeah, was going to be the, the answer the point wasn't to be surprised at the information the point is that she finally says it. Yeah, but I, I think the point in terms of telling the story that way is the idea that the sad truth is probably what you expect the entire time, and that that's kind of how it, how it plays with with how it yeah. deals with that information uh, as it goes. Uh, there's a really hard hitting thing at the start where uh, we're introduced to the characters as because Mister Robot uh, is what, what what I'm going to call him for the the rest of this, Mister Robot. Yeah, <laughs> it's his first day. He's not even Mr. Robot, really. <laughs> this is the thing. I'm just calling him that because that's his TV show. Um, so Mr. Robot is new. It's his first day, and which is simple, simple screenwriting technique. He's our character. He represents it's, the audience. Here's an excuse to tell you this information. Well, it's not just that though. It's not just that you're you're boiling it down. You you're, you're almost uh, not paying it its due there because it's also an excuse to to have a character react like us to have a character who is shocked at some of the things the kids do or say to, to be shocked at the frequency of some of the, the extreme things in here to to react to the stories to react to the to the just the, the surroundings so it's more than just an excuse for exposition it's, it's, it's about giving us a character who we can kind of live through as, as we're going through the movie so him being kind of shocked and i think one of the, the smartest things to do with that character actually is early on uh, he's introducing himself and he kind of says something insensitive about why he's there that kind of upsets one of the kids and it's like you meant that with the best of intentions so I, 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 you, don't, you don't hate him for it you don't hold it against him and everyone in the room knows that he meant it in a nice way yeah he did but he's like you're coming from a place of a very comfortable life 
into this yeah. this world and you just kind of said that and again yeah. I'm, I'm keeping it for spoilers before we get into details but and i think that was really smart because i think that for, at least for a lot of the audience obviously some of the audience may have may already sympathize with our character i mean everyone sympathizes but what i mean is some some audience members might have actually went through that themselves they might have been foster kids they might have been in places like this. they may have worked in places like this but i think for a, a majority of the audience you're maybe coming more from his side where no maybe you had you know a, a normal childhood you grew up with parents or at least one parent and you you, you live your normal life and you necessarily haven't haven't necessarily interacted with this part of the system yeah. like most people have and I think having that character, it's like, oh, hey, I'm being great because I'm here and I'm helping all these kids, and then putting his foot in, you know, his foot in it immediately by saying the wrong thing, and how that kind of upsets one of them. Uh, it's smart because it, again, I think that brings us into it because not that we think we're being like, oh, we're being great because we're watching a movie about this, but just in the sense that we are unprepared for what this actually is. We think yeah. we know what it is just from you know general knowledge, but the actual day-to-day truth of it is a bit mm. bit more surprising i suppose is what i'm saying um and that character kind of functions in that capacity so yeah uh, definitely. but he anyway so he's his, his first day and he's getting told this story and it kind of sets up the the down-to-earth drama that it is where you know it does have humor it's not constantly you know no because it gets heavy at times it gets heavy at times but it, it's effective when it gets heavy because it has a lot of levity and it has a lot of uh sweet little moments it's, and things like that almost light-hearted for, uh, not 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 entirely but like, the, there's long stretches where you kind of forget of of you know the some of the heavier elements yeah, and yeah. then it, they come back in and you're like oh yeah again i think that's to be true to life is that you know these shocking things happen kind of out of nowhere and most yeah. of the time we just we're going by our business and it's fine and we're, we're happy or we're whatever and then oh shit tragedy happens and yeah, exactly. you know, it's, it's kind of, that's kind of emulate. but they're telling him a story um mason's telling him a story of this 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 because it, it actually it's a really smart little scene because he's also explaining the rules of the place where we're allowed to grab them and restrain them uh before they get to the gate, if they're doing yeah. anything dangerous. That said, they are allowed to leave legally. We, we're not allowed to necessarily stop them from leaving, but we're allowed to talk them out of it. But once they pass the gate, we're not allowed to touch them. So yeah. while they're here, we're allowed to restrain them. We're allowed to because because some of the kids, you know, uh, have a history of uh, uh, like inflicting them harming themselves and things like that. Yeah. Um. So so they've they've got the right to like step in and like take care of. They're, they're there because they're trouble in some way. Um, so he's but he's telling the story of this this guy who did run away the sixteen year old who was like a really big guy, uh, but Mason who was chasing after him and he, he got on a bus after him to try and convince him to come back had uh, had eaten some bad tacos I think it was that day yeah <laughs> uh, in the cafeteria and basically knew he was sick and knew that he had to go to the bathroom and he decided that Joe you know what I'm getting off at the next stop I just need to to go to the toilet. yeah. And then the 16-year-old kid turned around and said, I'm getting off at the next stop. If you follow me off, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And he had to make the call to get off, and he shot himself when he gets off the off the bus. And again, this is the opening scene, so I don't think I'm spoiling too much. Yeah, this is literally the opening. And it's, it's this really funny scene, and everyone's laughing about it. And you hear it referenced like multiple times throughout this first day that we see them interacting. Yeah. But then you find out what actually happened to that kid after this story, and it's a really dark ending. And it's kind of like, oh, okay... There we go. That that's the life working Bringing in this, it down. this yep. industry. So, 
you know, so so you constantly feel like the characters are very noble in what they're attempting to do. I mean, I, I think Gracie's character and and Mason as well. They they feel very, very, uh, very dedicated to this job. I think she especially feels like she she goes above and beyond. She she interacts with the kids in ways that try and makes them feel comfortable and. Uh, you know, she'll argue with her boss to try and you know deal with certain things, even though yeah. it's not in her job description to do any of this. Oh, definitely. I think uh, Mason's maybe a little bit shortchanged in that he is always following Grace's lead. Mm. I think I was a little bit disappointed. There's one key moment about two thirds into the movie for his character where it's like, no, this is his moment to step up, and he kind of doesn't. Mm. Um, which I thought was a little uh, disappointing for, for for his character. Okay, well, we'll talk um, about that in spoilers. Yeah, um... but he he's the only one that I, I really felt that because the others are too small of characters to to have the same moment of impact. Yeah, the, um, the other characters are there. To, you know, like we say, Rami Malek there is like a conduit for the audience. Um, you know, Stephanie Beatrice is a major character. She's she's just kind of working there, and she's there for yeah, she's you know, just around a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the, most of the other adult characters just function kind of in, in plot points. Yeah, Th- those two are the the two leads with the arcs to have, and I feel like his doesn't quite live up to the potential that it could have. Mm. I'm curious to see what you what you think that should have been. Because mm. um, I always felt like it was really just her arc. Even from the, early on in the film, it felt like this was her story. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I, I think it delivered on that. Because, because yeah, everything was a bit story, absolutely it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so the direction is very good, it's very natural. There's a lot of a uh, lot of handheld, a lot of close ups, a lot of um Yeah. It's very natural lighting, there's there's nothing too flashy in terms of anything, anything like that. No, it's really down to earth. Um I, I feel like this is us probably took a lot of cues from the tone of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. If you like that show, you'd probably love this movie. Yeah, I was definitely getting some of those vibes in, and that's obviously existed first. So, uh, this is us has got got some explaining to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear, but it's got this jovial tone because they're they're trying to make the kids feel feel welcome, and part of that is kind of appealing to kids. The idea that she goes around the place waking up kids who sleep in with water with a water gun. Um, yeah. You know, it's just fun. It immediately makes you like the character. Uh, Definitely. You immediately feel endeared to to this group of people. Because um, I, I think the trap they fall into here is that uh, a snobby writer might think, well, they're helping all these kids, so they're basically saints, so we don't have to actually make the audience like them at all. It's like, no, no, you, you still do. You still have yeah. to make us they're, like them as people. They're all really likable characters. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really impressive about it is even when some of them do mess up, with that moment with Rami Malek where he puts his foot in it, he immediately gets that he's stepped over a line and he immediately tries to apologise. But the awkward feeling in the room feels very real, but at the same time you feel really bad for him. And you can tell that all the other adults in the room feel really bad for him because they know he just messed up and he knows he messed up. Yeah. And he's very quickly learned that he messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it is. They're all they're all very likable in in that sense. So, uh, great character work. The performance, uh, Brie Larson's performance in this is uh, it's fantastic. It's yeah. something else. Um, uh, I think this was one of our first big like leading roles. Because sounds about right. Um, yeah. Because I I think um, I don't know if I knew who she was at the time when this came out. I have to. Um, 
I'm not sure I did, to be honest. Uh, I'd have to have a look at what what movies she was in. Oddly, the first thing I ever actually saw her in, uh, bizarrely, was her, when she was on Community, on the the, the season that shall not be discussed. (laughs) No, I I remember her small but very memorable role in Don John. I've seen that. I don't remember her in it. Who was she in Don John? uh, She was the, uh, the, the sister sort of character. That sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, she was I, I, always in, in the house. I can't picture her face though. Like you know, it's, I seen that in the theaters when it came out. She was always sat around the table with the with the family. Yeah, the, obviously the because the funny thing is is that she's in Scott Pilgrim, and even now I know that's her in Scott Pilgrim, and I still can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's what as well. Like, obviously, I saw Scott Pilgrim when that came out, and it's like I know it's her, but it just. But I, I wouldn't. Oh, I never heard of her before that movie though. So if you said to me that's Brie Larson at the time, I wouldn't have cared. I'd be like, okay, whatever. But now I know who Brie Larson is. I'm like, she wasn't in Scott Pilgrim, and then I look at Envy Adams like really closely, and I'm like, I guess that's. Oh, her. it is. It is her. Yeah. But you don't just see it. Even though I know it's her, I still have to convince my brain that it is her. And she was in uh, Greenberg, apparently. But uh, no, I never saw that. I, I saw that when it came out, but that's been ten years now. So you know. Yeah. So I think the first thing I saw her in was Community, which was the season that was started in 2013. So this this came out the same year that she was in Community. Yeah. It says she was in 21 Jump Street. I don't remember in that at all. No. So it must have been She's a She's got tiny the same role. name in that, though. Oh, no, she doesn't. I'm looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm just looking at her name in this again. I thought, that's funny. <laughs> How do you even do that? Like... I just had a nap, all right? I just had a nap. Yeah. Give me peace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone who shares though will come March. She's in, she's going to be in a Marvel movie. That That is your ticket to stardom now. It kind of is, yeah. You'd be in a Marvel movie. You, you, you wear your, your Nine Inch Nails shirt. You have a cat. She's got a cat? <laughs> she's got a cat. You haven't seen the second trailer yet, no? Well, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. It's the second trailer. She's got a cat. Okay. I'm Chewy. <laughs> See, I like the name, but I hate it. It's a cat. So, you know, pros and cons. Yeah. Well, you know how they always do that sort of later jokey bit like, after the title at the end? Yeah. Well, it's it's like Nick Fury meeting her cat and like just sort of like, oh, who's a good cat? And just sort of petting it for like... The cat better seconds. be an alien and try and rip his throat out. <laughs> well, I mean, we do have scrolls in the movies, so it's, it's not out of the question. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, the new trailer knew what it was doing because it put the punch in the old lady shot back in it. I saw... Because I, I didn't intend this, I was just scrolling through Twitter, and the the extended version, shall we say, of that scene showed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's a few more like, moments in it. Yeah, because you see, because we obviously we all guess what the old lady was. That's why she was punching her. But you, but you it, see the yeah. retaliation, which honestly is just really funny to me because it looks like an entire fight plays out when she it's still pretending to be an old woman. So it still looks really funny. Yeah, the visual's still entertaining. We we should probably be saving this for trailer talk. We probably should be. Yeah. Um. But uh, though you're even going to watch the trailer, I'm going to be doing that solo. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> everything I've just said is, is things I've said. We could have had that discussion then. True, true. We'll, we'll have it again. It's fine. Right. <laughs> it's fine. Anyone watching this publicly on YouTube? Yeah, you probably already saw that last week. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point, actually. This is going to be early for patrons. So, yeah, this will be old news anyway. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, so, so, no. No, I just, yeah, so, so real arson, like, wasn't a name to me yet uh, when this came out um as was no one else this is actually really funny to me that there's four actors in this who are all pretty prominent actors now that i know from various things 
Um, and when it came out, I didn't know any of them. Yeah, it is kind of funny. So, um, I, I assume Brooklyn Nine Nine started around this year as well. Um, it must have done right. Yeah, well, we just had season five, so twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen, yeah. So it would have been what, you know, September, October, twenty thirteen. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, yeah. so that's just really funny. It's really funny that yeah. we're all in this little low budget drama that. This this claim. will be just just before uh, all, all the the TV season started up for the year. Yeah, uh, Mister Robot didn't start till twenty fifteen though. So yeah, he, he uh, Malek had another. Yeah, yeah, he had a couple of years on. Not, not a little bit of time. Um, but hey, so no fantastic cast. Uh, there's some really great moments with Larson in particular. Although they all do a good job. Uh, direction. There's some great moments. There's there's, there's a scene where uh, Marcus. Uh, what are the two main kids? Because there's Marcus and Jaden, who are the two main kids that we kind of get a lot of. Yeah. And Marcus uh, likes rap, uh, likes rap music, and he he writes rap lyrics. And uh, there's a scene where he's like rapping some of his new lyrics to to Mason. And what I really liked about the scene because the, the rap lyrics get very personal, and it's about like yeah. his past and and things like that. And what I liked about the direction during this scene is that the camera slowly and slowly gets closer and closer into Marcus's face. And the depth of field gets more and more extreme to the point where we get to the end of the the, the rap lyrics, he he we've got like this just above his eyes and just below his lips of his face, yeah. and Mason who because it's like a, a profile shot and Mason's like behind him in the in the shot, is now so blurry that you can barely make him out. Like yeah, just I I know he's there, but otherwise I wouldn't be able to tell. But it's also handheld, and one of the effects of going in closer handheld is that the closer you go in, the shakier it gets because it's more extreme. Um, so that that's how that's how that works so the effect that it has is that it actually gets more almost like the world's been zoned out the more he says his lyrics the more yeah. he opens up the more it feels like it's just him and nothing else is surrounding him yeah definitely. Uh, and it's a really effective little moment uh, there's a lot of neat little touches like that in the film mm. it's, it's one of these things where it doesn't feel too flashy but at it's the same, extremely confident. Yeah, but at the same time it doesn't feel like it's not doing anything it doesn't just feel like it's a simple reverse shot Saul movie and uh, you know, no. sim- simple coverage. You know, it feels like there's actually there is actually thought put out behind all of the coverage. Oh, so. definitely. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Um, so I think we'll give a spoiler warning. Um, and mm. we'll we'll dive in to to the rest of the film. Uh, so. I mean, the whole thing's about Grace. Really, it's, it's about her character. It's about what she's going through. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about the other characters as well. But she she. You know, she she hints early on when she's trying to like convince Marcus not to get in any trouble because he's he's going to leave because he's turning eighteen, so he's going to be leaving in in a few weeks, and she gets the sense that he's scared of actually leaving. He's scared of actually you know of going out into uh, the world. Yeah, we know he's been here. Was it three or four years? Something like that. He's been yeah. here a while. And yeah, because we found out he was fifteen when he arrived. We found that out later. Yes. So he she like says, "Oh, my dad's been in prison for ten years. Like you know, I don't want that to happen to you." And then you hear stories about her mum having a lot of boyfriends, and you hear stories less, and it's like, okay, so it's all about that. And obviously, one of the scenes early on is she goes off and she, she finds out she's pregnant. She confirms it. She's because she even says in the scene that she's had seven tests at home, but she, yeah. she she was confirming it at the doctors, and she immediately just oh, sets a date for an abortion, like just like set a date. For, Saturday's good. Yes, we'll do it yeah. then. And what I liked about this though is this is before we actually find out that she's dating Mason. But this is yeah. before, because for, for all we know, this is a one night stand, and that's you know partly maybe why she's making this choice. But then, like a scene later, she goes home and she's with him, and it's like, oh, she's yeah. not even telling him about this because 
the the kids aren't supposed to know really that they're dating, so that they're, they're they're being professional at work. So and and because all we see of of her before this scene at the doctor's is at work, we don't know that they're that yeah. they're in a relationship either. And I think it's interesting to present it in that order because it's like we kind of make these assumptions of okay, she doesn't want a kid, that's fine, whatever. But we make these assumptions about okay. So she's not got a partner, maybe that's why she doesn't want the kid or this or that. But then you throw this wrench into no, she's got a regular partner who she's living with, and they seem like they've been the together a while. It seems like they're they're quite close, yeah. and she's not even telling them uh, that that she's she's pregnant, and she's having an abortion, and it's like okay, and that at least is kind of some of her character her character's issues where she wants to be intimate, but she she has trouble doing so, and that sort of leads in okay. So what went on with her father? Uh, later on, when she gets really concerned about uh, the girl Jaden and how she may be getting abused by her father, it's like, okay, this feels like she's identifying with her because she's went through similar things. And yeah. it kind of unravels as you go throughout the film. One of the, one of the little points I loved, actually, is her relationship with, with Mason throughout the film, it goes up and down, kind of, as we go. And it kind of, maybe that's a sense of what her character's like, but when she finally tells him, she feels close enough to him to tell him that they're that she's pregnant and then we see them at the the i think it's the anniversary party for their old foster parents yes. and we see that this foster parents have you know over the years they've had maybe like 40 50 kids who are all adults now so they're all there to celebrate with them because they've essentially got all these kids that have all flown the you know flown the coop yeah. and they're all, they're all back it's like their 30th anniversary or something. yeah and they're all there to celebrate them and he, he proposes to her uh well, they're just kind of get down on one here. knee though bit, bit of a schmuck move I don't know. It's more subtle. I, I I get the depending on who the two people are, a subtle non-showy one version. It, but I feel like do, do it properly. But she doesn't mm. want. The, maybe she doesn't want the attention. She doesn't want the big, the showmanship version. Then then do it at home. Then it's not showmanship. But it's in the moment. That's more I romantic. I get it. I get it. I don't know. Part of me actually likes the idea of an, like just the moment it hits you that you want to marry someone, just say it. Part of me likes that as a romantic gesture more than the I'm going to plan meticulously for five months of the perfect proposal. I'm going to, we're going to be you know under the Eiffel Tower and there's going to be fountains behind us and there's going to be all these things. You know, there's a middle ground, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll put the ring in the glass at a restaurant because that's original. Oh, Everyone... no, that, that's just cheesy. Don't do that. No one's ever done that before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't do that. But. I'd like to think I'd only do that though if I'm at this weird place where I'm not sure if I want to break up with her so I'm going to use I'm going to use that tactic as fate if she chokes on the ring and dies I'm out of it if she if she accepts it and says yes then okay we're getting married fate's decided I'll be honest if you're at a point where you're not sure if you want to break up with her or not <laughs> proposing probably isn't the right move <laughs> it's probably pretty damn unhealthy it depends though if you know if you're with someone and you know she hates the idea of commitment and getting married then that's just your get out of jail free clause you get to play the victim because you get to propose but you know she'll hear it and you know she'll turn you down and that's your way out <laughs> you call me cynical i'm being cynical in a funny way you, you you're shooting down this romantic little moment i'm saying <laughs> no this is genuine this feels real this feels like a, a proper moment but what i was getting to one of the things i liked about this is that the next morning he actually drives her into work. They they go in together in the same car because up until this point, she always rides her bike in on her own, yeah. and she always arrives later because of that. 
and she always arrives solo, and that was kind of a neat touch. And it, and this visual of her riding in on her bike, just arriving into the static shot at the front of the building, is used multiple times. Yeah, uh, it's used at the end as well when she's riding back with uh, Jaden on her back on the bike, and again, again even that's a kind of symbolic because you know she's got her on her back literally at that point. Yeah. Um. So, but no, I, I like that touch. Um. I think one of the best scenes in the movie actually. Uh, again, and this is again really showing that she part of her, her trauma is sexual in some way. Is there's a scene, uh, it's the first night they're home actually, yeah, uh, where they've had dinner and they're sitting drawing each other. And she's like a bit of an artist and she, you know, she can do an actual drawing. And he's shit, he's my level basically, yeah, oh, he's better than your level, but yeah, you've never seen me draw, I'm just making assumptions. <laughs> How's drawing exactly what a shit drawing by someone like me looks like? And presumably you. Oh, definitely me. <laughs> my, my point was that it, it, it was that you're even Shut up. So, she, she is, they kind of have a sweet moment here and then she goes in for a kiss and he kind of noticed that it's been a while since she kissed him like that and he, he and it kind of jokingly says it's been nine days and like six hours or something like that <laughs> since yeah. since they the last had sex. And she's like, down to the hour, eh? <laughs> and he's like, well, <laughs> right? And she keeps going with the kissing. And what I thought was notable about this scene at this point, because again, this is before we've got any indication that she feels, you know, the, 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 her sexualization, her sexuality is, a, is an issue, right? That This is the first hint we're getting to that. Because he says like three or four times while they're kissing and getting going, uh, are you sure you don't want me to stop? Which is a really weird thing to say. It is. In uh, most contexts. He's consistently like, are you alright? You want me to keep going? It's like, yeah. Wait, when clearly they're in a, a long-term relationship. Yeah. And I, I think, obviously indicates that they've maybe tried to have sex in that past nine days and maybe it's, she's kind of backed out of it like a few times or something like that. Or, or it's an ongoing thing where he knows it's a sensitive thing so he's, he's being really yeah. cautious. Um, but he, he says it multiple times and then there's a point where they, this is where the performance really kicks in because there's a point where they're still kissing where she starts to look uncomfortable mid-kiss. It's actually really impressive that you get this from her body language. And then she says stop and he does actually kind of start to move away. Like he's already, like he, he knows he's leaving. He's, he's getting, he's moving back yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, it's not like he's <laughs> carrying on. It's like, no, I'm not stopping. He's, he, she doesn't give him enough time to actually finish stopping. Yes, he, he he starts to move back, and he's like maybe an inch away from her face, still moving back the way, and she slaps him in the face, but then immediately realizes what she just did, knowing that she just, you know, acted out of like instinct and this this weird kind of a burst of violence, and kind of you know gasps and covers her mouth and tries to say sorry, and he's just like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, and then they just sort of like you know they're just lying in the couch later on, and like they're falling asleep or whatever watching TV, and it's like. Okay, so that was like an insight into her character. That was like a. But what I loved about that scene is that it told us so much through a simple act of body language and that shocking slap. And then the way she reacted to herself doing it afterwards was kind of like, okay, she knows that she just did something weird, but it was kind of instinctual. And it was clearly hinting that what her trauma that she's still not quite dealt with does because. And I, I like kind of the hypocrisy that he points out later on, where it's like, maybe if you actually took some of your own advice that you're constantly giving the kids, you'd, you'd maybe, like, open up. Because she, she, she yeah. never tells him what she's thinking about. And he gets very frustrated with that throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, so, and, that, you know, her arc is that she really cares about this girl, Jaden, who at first is... And I, I actually thought the kid was a great actor as well, because... Yeah, she was good. 
because she comes in and she's like this little smart mouth. She's always swearing. This little uh, shit, but kind of likable. Yeah, and you know, because in fact, the, the biggest laugh I got in the movie is uh, during the, the first scene where she, uh, you know Grace is introducing her to the, the place and she's telling all the rules. You know, you can put ether on the walls, but nothing obscene. And she immediately goes, oh, so no, no pictures of dicks then. And she's like, well, not unless they're really scientific. And then a few scenes later when she's like doing room checks and she's like searching all the, well, all the kids are playing outside. She goes out of the rooms and she turns around and the girl who's also an artist like her, uh, again, kind of connecting them as well thematically. Yeah, so she, you, she's just like, oh, I like the new, you know, the, the new wall. And it's like, uh, Jaden's like drawing pictures of dicks, but she's labelled them scientifically. And, yeah. and you know, done one that's like an x rays and it's got all the parts and it's like, and it just really made me laugh. When she looks up and sees these pictures of scientific dicks, I just started laughing. It was just funny. And, uh, it's when the kid goes, they're actually really informative. <laughs> <laughs> just, that, that was the, the cherry on the top for me. Uh, so, no, she's she's likable. And I think that's what, what, what makes it work is that you when she does try to like uh, get frustrated you know when when her because she's meant to ha- go home for the weekends with her dad and when her dad doesn't show up and it's that scene of them sitting the other adults are just sitting around in the sort of the main area with the other kids and they're noticing as well that he's not showing up and she's sitting there noticing and she she's and she has someone who cuts herself and that's been brought up before and you see that she's digging her nail into her skin and she's and i think what it does so well is that I think a lot of how the kids react in this movie to certain things could almost feel really cliche because it's kind of the textbook things that a lot of kids, the ways that a lot of yeah. kids act, react to things. But it feels so authentic that it never comes across as like, oh, we're just doing what you expect. Yeah, that's true. I think it's all in the acting. Yeah. Yeah, the performances are great. Um, uh, the way it's like ticking up over time and th- then it kind of unleashes uh, is, is very good. Um and it actually kind of telegraphs the ending because she goes into the the the, the cool down room or something. I can't remember what they called it, but there's, there's like a little quiet paddy room. Yeah, like there's isolation. Like, basically, there's like a balloon animal in there, and her her and Grace end up beating up. And you actually find out that uh, Grace uh, also used to cut herself, so she's got like a uh, uh, marks on her leg yes. uh, from when she, when she did that. And they kind of bond a little bit. And she does seem much better. And there's this little sweet act as well where Marcus kind of steps up and makes all the kids uh, make birthday cards for her. Because her birthday yeah. as well, by the way. <laughs> just, just to add insult. Which it. is presumably why the dad was coming. Yeah. Um, uh, but Marx is not in a great place himself at that point. So no. it's kind of a, a moment for him where it's like, no, 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 all right, fine. I'm going to all right, get everyone together and, and kind of take charge. Do you know what I liked about that? I liked the idea that because he's turning 18, he's kind of closer to Grace and the rest of the adults than he is the kids now. And him making that choice to make the kids pitch in and make her feel better was kind of him on that path of... Yeah. Not that he's going to have this job specifically, but just that he's kind of getting towards that mindset where he is growing up. Uh, and, and I kind of like that. But so, but Jaden runs away and Grace like runs out after and follows her and follows her home to her dad and her dad's not there, but she you know she tries to get her to talk to her. And it's when they come back and you know Jaden's upset she tells her this story that she's, she's written about an octopus and a shark. And the entire film is about the octopus and the shark. Don't don't be fooled otherwise. Yeah, th- this is probably the scene of the movie for me. That's, that's fair, yeah. Uh, that's a great scene. Um, where, and again, it's the performances. Like, yeah, definitely. If, if the performances weren't here, because every time, as Jane's reading that she's getting more upset, and do, do you know what I like about this? It mirrors the scene with uh, Mason and Marcus a lot as well, because he's opening up with his art, she's opening up with her art, it, you know, and it's like 
every because t- this one's handled a little bit differently though because I, I think the one with Marcus and Mason is handled in a way where Mason kind of fades out of the scene because I, I don't think he connects directly with what Marcus has went through. He's he's not had that exact experience. No, it it gets to the end and he and and Mason's like I, I don't know what to say. Yeah, he's very genuine and he, he says whatever he can, but he he's he's not he can't relate to that experience because he's not went through that exact thing. Where you know where Marcus hates his mother because his mother's been abusive and abandoned him and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and his lyrics were very harsh and very specific. There was actually a really a really well written line in there about. Uh, has mother just been an abandoned corpse and said the memory of a boy? You know, it was something. Yeah. It was it was really visual the thing he said, but, um, but here in this scene with 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 Grace, it does keep cutting back to her reaction to everything she's saying, and it's almost like she's recognizing herself it's, the more yeah, she it's speaks. This parallel story. Um, and it's it's about how the shark keeps eating the the octopus. She keeps she keeps on a leg. That really bugged me. That's the only thing I like no, about this scene. Them, it's arms, not legs. Was arms? I, regardless, they're not arms. <laughs> The octopus might see them as arms. <laughs> I just I don't know. I don't think of them as arms. Well, I mean, they grab things with them. True, but are, are they scientifically referred to as arms? I mean, probably not. But that's not the point. <laughs> I, I think it matters. It's not the point, but it's it she kept calling oh, them arms. You call it, me pedantic. It was it was just bugging me because I'm like, octopus don't have arms. <laughs> Well, that arm. They're anthropomorphized so that you connect with the octopus more. <laughs> that's that's the point. That's that's writing one hundred and one. <laughs> well, maybe you should have picked a, an animal with two of them then, so it was more relatable. If anything, I'm thinking this kid had way too many arms to lose. <sighs> Jesus Christ! I'm being facetious. Yeah, yeah, you better be right. The, but anyway, this is fantastic because she, she, obviously she's talking about how the shark keeps taking and taking and taking. And then he feels guilty after he's taken too much. So he kind of goes and looks for a new friend and comes back kind of thing. Yeah, the shark pretends to be you know, the, the octopus's friend or claims that it's his friend. Mm. I don't know if, if it is necessarily pretending because she claims that the, that the shark feels guilty at the end, right? Like it actually feels bad about what it's done. It's, it's almost in its nature. Yeah, I almost took when she said at the end he goes looking for a new friend. That if you know again, she's the octopus and her dad's the shark. That the shark, you know, she will be the new octopus as well. The idea that you know things will patch up, things will seem okay for a little bit, and then the dad will go back to eating the arms, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, and because I'm actually watching a shark documentary earlier on at one point as well, which kind of feeds into why she's maybe picked this as a metaphor. Uh, Presumably, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a really great scene, and Grace tries to like tell her boss that she's been abused. She understands what she's saying to her. And the, psych- the psychiatrists are full of shit, but the guys like, look, I care about these kids, but they have to actually see it. They actually have to tell us this is happening. Yeah, which I understand why that's so frustrating for for like Grace. Yeah, but I un- again at the same time I understand why he's like, no, 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 they have to say it. We have to have that actual yeah. confirmation. Uh, well, because this guy's only in a couple of scenes, but what I liked about this one, this is definitely the most important scene he's in, is that. He he, you know he fly out says if you know what do you think I I fantasize of going out and beating the shit out of anyone who hurt these kids like you know I I care yeah. like I want to do this and, but and you believe him yeah yeah it comes across as genuine it doesn't come across as just someone who's who's trying to avoid it he's like the, but this is the the reality of the system is if they won't do anything we haven't got any proof we haven't got anything to actually mm. say this we haven't got the right to stop the the, the parent at that point yeah um because. 
she gets upset because because what, what he, he let her go with her dad he, the dad showed up eventually and she's upset because she, what she wanted to do was just to kind of block the fact that she can go home for weekends until they can maybe prove something or figure something out which is not unreasonable either it's not like she's saying send them to prison right now she's saying let's just well we think something might be happening let's just keep it from happening until we, yeah. we know more she's not being that actually that being unreasonable she's she's being very uh you know emotional in this scene she gets angry oh definitely and she yeah. smashes the guy's new lamp that he was very proud of at the start he of the was film. very happy with that lamp it was a touch lamp that had like you know four levels of brightness he was very up he was very hyped about it he was, it. He was. Uh, he's like go on touch the lamp <laughs> go on touch my lamp <laughs> and he goes out and smash she goes out and smashes it and uh she she gets so upset uh after this because marcus uh harms himself you think he's going to harm this other kid who he kind of had a bit of a rivalry with but he's actually hurt himself after yeah, his fisher died. Yeah, pretty badly, and they take him to the hospital. And she gets so upset that she she kind of like lashes out at, at Mason and says, "I don't want to, I can't I can't marry you. I can't have have your child. I I have to, you know, I can't." And it's this idea that she doesn't think she can have a normal life. That she she yeah. she. I think the idea of her of being a parent when she not only on herself but seeing what happens to all these kids. Like, what if she fails being a parent? This is what happens to the kid. Yeah, kind and- of thing. This point here, this is the moment that Mason doesn't become the character that I kind of hoped. Okay. Because all movie, you know, he's he's you know he's a good guy. He's helping out. He's always there, but he hasn't got the agency, right? It's always Grace making the calls. And this is the point where she's like, no, 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 you know, I don't want anything to do with you at the moment. And he's just like, he kind of just takes it. He's like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, fine, I'm, I can't deal with this. I think that was his words. He said, I can't deal with this. And, yeah, he goes and, home, and he, basically. He goes home. <laughs> and that was really frustrating to me because I thought, okay, no, he doesn't need to succeed. I don't want him to succeed because obviously Grace has to come around on her own terms. But it's the fact that he doesn't try uh, to, to do anything about it that, that frustrated me because it felt like that was his character was building to him doing something for himself at that, that point. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way because it, to me it was like he's been with her for years he's been helping her for years but this particular thing she's going through is just something he can't help with she she needs and i I think jaden gives her finally gives her the therapy where and not literally because obviously we see at the end she goes to therapy she actually actually goes because one of the things she finds out of course throughout the film is that her dad's going to get out of prison he's you know he's getting out on parole uh soon and that that brings up some of these feelings as well and uh she gets so frustrated that she rides to jaden's house her dad's house because she knows where she keeps the key outside, which is something that I don't think anyone in real life actually does, but movies always have the key hiding, hiding somewhere. That's not true. My mum used to do it. Oh, really? I yeah. have literally never met anyone who's done this and had a key like hiding in a pot or under a mat. or. Yeah, no, my mum used to do it. My, my nan used to do it. So, oh, fair I mean, enough. I, I, I don't know if my mum still does it. Probably not. But... Okay, but give me the fact that no one ever puts the key to the car and up inside the, 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 the mirror thing at the top, the sun guard. I'll give you that one, yeah. How many movies have you seen where someone just flips that down and the keys drop out? Yeah, do you know what always frustrates me about that one is, but surely you want to lock the car. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. If, you, if you're outside the car and you need the keys, it's not really helpful. Right, exactly, because you, you, like the, with the house key one, it's right, right, okay, this is a spare, this is a backup, if you forget yours, if you've lost yours, right? Yeah. Whereas the car, most cars just come with one key joe you know i think i'd accept it more if it was hidden in a more obscure place but under the mat is such an easy place to someone to check like it is yeah you know i'll just check here yeah um like 
like have like a secret rock that opens out or something <laughs> you know Huzz was just on a piece of string in this bush and it was like a, quite a dense bush so unless you knew where to, yeah, 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 to, yeah. to look for it was like okay <laughs> or how, how have an outdoor safe that's got a, a, a lock pad on it you, you, so you, this you is getting extreme now I'm just saying and have, have an automated turret in case uh, the fingerprint doesn't match um, yeah. So, but she goes inside. She grabs a baseball bat from the from inside the house, and she goes up and she's standing there looking at the dad as he's sleeping. And then, like Jaden catches her and says, "This is a bit extreme." <laughs> oh shit! And they go outside and they're kind of talking. And she eventually opens up and she, you know, outright says her dad abused her and got her pregnant. Like because I hinted that earlier on that she'd had a pregnancy before, yeah. and this is why partly why it was, it was such a hard hitting thing. And, um. And this scene, of course, uh, uh, convinces Jane to actually, you know, speak up about her dad, of course. And likewise, gives it, it gives Grace her success of helping this kid, which is, I think, yeah. what she really needed to do. To the idea that she stopped this from happening to someone else, that she used her pain to help someone else. Um, but then you have the great catharsis of uh, Jane grabbing the baseball bat. Because she says something like, oh, yeah, what, you know, what do you want to do? Go and beat up my dad with a baseball bat while he's sleeping. And she grabs the bat, and I'm like, is she going to do it? And then she goes <laughs> up to the car and starts smashing in the windows. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, damn, this kid's good with that bat. I mean, I've never tried to smash in a, a window with a baseball bat, but I feel like it would take a bit of force. <laughs> a bit, yeah. I think the the windows aren't as as bad as you think. It's, it's, it, the moment I was going to call bullshit... Is if because obviously you know she gives she gives Grace the bat. It's like here you go, and she she goes up for the the windshield. Yeah, she stands in the bonnet and she's she's going to or the hood. Sorry for everyone else, and she starts smashing. And no, I thought the windshield was quite believable because it was just kind of like denting gradually. Yeah, yeah, because you know? it it, they, it cracks and it cracks. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you've uh, if you've ever been in, in a car crash or seen one up close. You know, they they don't like crack individually. They they crumple out as an entire single piece, even with all these holes in. Yeah. Um. So I, I was gonna call bullshit if she went straight through that one. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's it's the uh, it's the same with movies when they kick in a door too easily. I'm like, no, it's harder to do it than that. <laughs> it takes a few attempts. Yeah. yeah, have you ever tried to kick in a door? I actually have, believe yeah, it or me not. Yeah, too. Um, because uh, back 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 where I used to work somewhere, uh, uh, manager got his locked out of the office with our keys inside, so we had to kick in the door of the office. And it took two of us alternating a few, a few attempts before it finally gives way. Yeah, went yeah. in. Um, so I just imagine a car window to take a bit more effort than one baseball swing, especially from like a, a twelve-year-old or whatever she is. But no, fair enough. Car window, you I'll hit in the middle, it. the glass will just fracture. Ah, fair enough. But yeah. <laughs> it was just as a man, kid's going to be a superhero in a few years. <laughs> give, give her a chance. Uh, but no, her, her just wailing on that windshield. Um, over and she, she's really into it and again the performance here was really selling it and that she, she kind of gets into it and then she kind of winds down and she's like okay let's go now and she takes her back and that 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 leads us to it. and we get a little montage she, she, they're going to keep the baby of course I did, I did i think what i liked about the ending with grace and mason is that when she comes home and he's just lying in the couch and she says sorry and he doesn't even say anything he just lifts up the, the, the sheet it goes back to almost the same shot as uh you know after the 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 incident where they tried to have sex yeah and and it just ended with them just you know watching the TV basically. It's kind of the exact same position and shot and, that this is. It's like just this this comfort. Just okay. This is this is fine. And what I loved about it is that the idea that much like with the kids, will these ups and downs. Grace is kind of the same way where she'll she'll she's going through a lot. She'll say a lot of things, and 
he I think what shows you how much they love each each other is he doesn't he doesn't have to like bask in the apology and make her really like nail down why she was wrong for saying what she said. He just accepts it and they move on. They're going to have fights. They're going to have these moments, but it's it's about moving on afterwards. And I, I kind of like that. It's like this is another ending struggle. And I think the the best thing that emulates this in the movie is the fact that the opening and the closing scenes both have this other kid who's around throughout the film, um, Sammy who has all these little doll things that represent his sisters and he tries to escape at the start and it's this scene where they all chase after him and they grab him and uh, it's kind of serious because I can't try to calm him down but there's also a bit of humour to it where they're all kind of cracking jokes as it's happening because it's just a normal occurrence. Yeah, and, and to us it's like, what the hell's happening? Because there's this alarm blaring, like this siren What's the same and then there's a kid just absolutely belting it for the, for the gate. And again, Rami Malek in this scene is in shock that they're having to chase down kids like this and like grab them. Yeah. But but at the end of the film, when he does it again, uh, and they're all running in slow motion, it's more it's a bit more jovial. It's like, no, this is just part of the constant struggle. It's a constant fight. It's a uh, one of the things that always comes up in other movies about depression, where or when we're, we've been reading Mister Mercury, is the idea that depression is ever present. You never really get quite get rid of it. You just constantly have to keep dealing with it. Yeah. And this is just them dealing with this and try, trying to help the kids the best they can, uh, as consistently as they can. Um, yeah. and, and try to help them get through it. And I think Mason accepting Grace when, when she does maybe go off the handle a little bit is, is part of that as well. It's him being there for her, uh, even when it's hard to be there because it's it's painful or it, it hurts him in return. Yeah. Um, but unlike the kids, although arguably Marcus is kind of getting there as well, like I said earlier, but she is obviously mature enough to afterwards realise what she's done and kind of yeah. you know patch things up. So... Um, I thought that was a really neat way to bookend the film because because it ends it's it's relatively happy as they're running after them at the end it's like no yeah, it's, it's like it's the kid you know trying to find a way through and the four of them just yeah. boxing him in they're like yeah. nope you're not getting out this time and it, it, again it's just this idea of you you the kids are aren't going to want the help they're going to try and run they're going to try and call you a shithead and you know whatever I was actually really worried that something violent see when uh Jaden locks herself in the room after the dad doesn't show up and she gets really angry. And she like comes flying for Grace. I thought there was something else in her hand other than a cupcake, and I was worried that Grace's face was getting slashed or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, talking about de-escalating the scene at the end of that, when they finally got her pinned down and they and she spits in uh, Mr. Robot's face, and he's as <laughs> as just like you, you know you're squashing me, and, and Mason's like oh sorry, and he shuffles out of the way a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, and she spits in Mr. Robot's face, and I love that Mason just looks over and goes. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? And he's like, no, nah, not really. Which is a callback to Ellen in the film when they first catch the kid and uh, Rosa <laughs> says to the kid, Are you okay? And Rami Malek just jumps in with, No, not really. That was that was intense. And she's <laughs> like, I'm not asking you. <laughs> yeah. It's no, no, it's, it, uh, and it happens as well. Uh... But yeah, the cupcake thing because Mason yeah. baked the cupcakes. So when they've got her pinned down, he looks at, over at over at Grace with cupcake all over her face, and he's like, "How's my cupcake?" Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, I don't think the moment where where um where you know where where Rosa asks him if he's okay, and he's like, "No, no, no that was intense." It's not the kid running away at the start. It's um. Oh, it was it's after the fight. It was after the, yeah, the, the baseball the, the baseball thing. game. Yeah, and and Marcus, you know, hits the kid with the bat. I think it was like wiffle ball. It was they had like their own rules, but whatever. It, it's, yeah. it's baseball of a sort. Yes. No, I was just saying they had their own thing version of yeah. it. It was like waffle ball or wiffle ball or something like that. It's probably a thing. 
How about I play baseball where you just like throw waffles at the person? I'll take that and try to catch them in your mouth. Sounds more fun. Oh, you just you, know, you hit a ball, but then when you run around the bases, you you grab waffles on the way. There's waffles each, at each, each base. Each base is a waffle station. <laughs> yes. Oh, the first base is a waffle station. The second base is the syrup. Yeah, yeah. And the third base is a bit of cream. Yeah. There you go. So when you get you get you get a home run, you get a, you get the full loaded waffle. Yeah, yeah, sounds pretty good. Uh, but uh, it's uh, no, it's a really great movie. It's, it's a fantastic drama. Um, yeah. And it's a great character study of the main character, uh, who who's went through this trauma. And one one of the most effective things to do in a drama like this, uh, or any any drama, is reveal what the main characters went through by having another character go through a very similar thing, and it's yeah. it's, it's really engaging putting the pieces together as you go through it as you learn about this character from how she reacts and treats other people and you learn the faults you learn the the you know every nuance of her and that's uh really interesting and i actually love that they never show the dad at the end because part of me was thinking we get a scene at the end where she confronts her dad or something like that i'm actually kind of glad that no no because she's not going to want him in her life she's going to like go nowhere near him <laughs> obviously so I like they didn't do that because I, I feel like that was like a really obvious like big drama thing. Oh, that would have cheapened it so yeah. much. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, yeah. Life goes on. And, yeah. Uh, and Marcus is dating the girl who's three years older than him who he, he tried to chat up <laughs> when she arrived. Because that, again, we end with another funny story outside before the kid runs out and that's the yeah. one we get. And we find out that Marcus has got a job and he's he's applying for classes. He's doing okay. Yeah. Um, Here's a question. Actually, I never really thought, but that's what I was thinking about when we were talking about that. Is what do you do if you're if you're an orphan, right? What do you do when you immediately leave the orphanage? Because presumably you need somewhere to stay while you're looking for a job. Social housing. I guess. Yeah, I didn't really thought about it. I mean, I assume. Yeah, I was just thinking because obviously, okay, you have to get a job and get a place. That obviously makes sense. But I'm saying, you know, you don't just walk out and walk into a job day one. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, you don't. Um, maybe they get an allowance for you know a couple of months. Maybe yeah. you know while they're yeah. setting themselves up. I imagine that would make I have sense. No to idea. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Having not been an orphan, I can't. Uh, <laughs> no, me either. Speak from experience. But uh, yeah, so no, short term films is pretty fantastic actually. So um, I am glad I finally got around to watch it. So I guess we'll rate the rate the film. So what are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna go with a, an eight point five. I think it could have been that nine if, if you know, I mentioned the, the the bit with Mason's character. That's probably the only real weak point for me, is mm. that, uh, you know, it just it didn't quite go the extra step that could have made him an equal lead uh, in in terms of having a, a a real real character drive. Um, so that that just takes a little bit away from it, but uh, yeah, still very good. I think for me, I never really felt like it was supposed to be a dual lead. For me, it was like, no, she's the lead and he's there to support her story. I think the problem was that I could see the easy, the, the, the moment was so easy to have him react just slightly differently to give him that extra layer and, mm. and make him just that little bit more integral. But uh, no, I'm going to give it a nine. I, I think for me, the direction, the performances are fantastic. I think almost everything with the, the two main kids, Jaden and Marcus, are great. Um, you know, whenever you mention the scene where, where Marcus wants his head shaved and then when they finally shave it, he, he asks if there's lumps because he used to keep his hair long because his mother would leave bumps and bruises and like all sorts. Yeah. Uh, and it's like this really emotional scene. 
Um, I, I like how the story unfolds its information where, you know, even the scene where they're at the, the, the foster parents' anniversary party and, like, Mason makes that speech. It's like, oh, they were they were both foster kids and these were their foster parents and this is where they met. And, like, you know, it, it doesn't tell us that. It doesn't explain that to us. It just... You just get it through context. Yeah, it constantly lets us get things as it unfolds yeah. through the context. And uh, it doesn't it doesn't belittle the audience. It doesn't make us... It doesn't speak down to us. It doesn't over, overstate things. Uh, it has metaphors and dramatic, ironic moments, but it doesn't go so far to make it feel like it's been melodramatic or cliched or, or like yeah. it's some writers like twirling their mustache, going, "Oh, I'm such a genius! I wrote this." No, and and that's the thing. Like you know, the the shark and the octopus is such a easy metaphor. Yeah. In in terms of you know you you could get really t- mustache twirly with that. But, you know, it coming from this kid and the performance especially is what sells it and just kind of grounds it. Yeah. Um, so it, it feels very natural. It feels like a very natural film. Yeah. Uh, and I, I respect that. So 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, so that is Short Term 12. Um, by all means, let us know what you thought of the film if you've seen it in the comments. Uh, comments are good, as are likes and subscriptions and all those things. But if you really want to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash TV. And you can support us over there for as little as a dollar per month. You get these influx episodes one week early, as, as well as other things. At the five dollar tier, of course, you you also get to vote on an episode once per month, and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, uh, have a have a look at those things. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys, and we'll see you next time.